I'll tell you, uh, this year we probably had 25 to 30 people receive the Holy Ghost from our bus routes. And this is a, certainly a banner year for us. Of course, this is going to be a banner year for us here at Calvary Gospel Church if we have no one else to receive the Holy Ghost between now and the end of the year. We've already set a record, and I really do thank God for that. The Lord has just been great. Praise God. I really do appreciate Brother Thomas and, and his burden, and, of course, all of the people who work on the buses. God bless you so very much. Brother Andrew has gone into a Sunday school class already, but he has done a marvelous job. If you get, a, get the opportunity to speak to any of these people, who have been working in the Broadway Simpson Street Outreach on Tuesday evening, you should commend them for their labor of love. Revelation 2, verse 2, and this is to the church, a letter to the church at Ephesus. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and has not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. And we'll just stop there, and you may be seated. And I want to speak on the subject, I keep falling in love with him. We sing a chorus every now and then, I keep falling in love with him. And I went into my office, I don't know if it's Thursday night, or just when it was, but I think it was last Thursday night, and I heard the praise singers singing the chorus, I keep falling in love with him over and over and over again. Now, as you know, we've had promotion, a lot of things going, and it's, it's getting late. And because of this, I, on promotion Sunday, I make a limited number of notes. In fact, uh, I only have just a few scriptures written down, but I, I'd like to to talk briefly this morning about the necessity of just falling in love with God afresh every day. I do a lot of counseling, and through the years I've seen couples who have gone uh, astray from the standpoint of, uh, you know, their, their thinking. They just thought maybe that, you know, a divorce was the answer, and I've had couples come in. I said, well, what you need to do, you just need to start all over again. Sometimes you need to start your courtship again. I have made this known throughout the years, the 35 years in which Sister Grant and I have been married. The important thing in a marriage is that you continue to court each other. Now, that, that's very important. And what happens is that that, that that your life is full of excitement. Well, forget this now, Martha, okay? And Burry. <laughs> She's making some comment about this. See, I caught that. See. <clears throat> Maybe she was giving Tanya a tip here. There you go, Tanya. <clears throat> but but this is extremely important. And and I think that uh, couples need to, to get away every now and then. Brother and Sister Rossinger out of town this weekend. It's their, their anniversary. By the way, next Sunday is Brother and Sister Manley's anniversary. Praise God. Anniversaries are very, very special times. 
But when it comes to our, our love for God, the, the thing that is, is important is that, that the, un, unless you do certain things and keep certain things vibrant and alive, uh, what's going to happen to your relationship with God? It'll just deteriorate. You'll just, things will just go down, downhill. So you need to keep falling in love with God. Now, you will notice that, that the Lord states, and I did not read this scripture, but verse 5, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent. And when I see the word repent, uh, this means that you should have remorse for the present condition, that you should feel sorry in your heart about the present status of, of your relationship with God. Uh, and notice what he said. He said, repent, go back and do your first works. Now, it is, it's always obvious when you go to a church as to who the new converts are. Because for the most part, they're the ones that are so excited about serving God, they haven't developed the professionalism that a lot of us old-timers have. <laughs> I mean, they just, they just worship God, and they get very fervent. And, and there are some churches that it's more evident than other churches. Now, here at Calvary Gospel Church, it's not quite as evident as in some churches because our church... Uh, I, whether you know it or not, we really have a reputation here at Calvary Gospel Church of being a little bit on the wild side. <clears throat> now, some of you may not have known that, but 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 really, I've, I've had uh, preachers come by that would say, "Well, Brother Grant, they always say that a, that a church takes on the personality of the pastor, but your church is an exception of that." Said so you just sit over there and worship God so quietly, and people are just running around and all over the place. And and I've had preachers say it is this is a preacher's paradise. When you come here and people are just worshiping and jumping up and down, I can't really tell the new converts from from the the older mature saints. But in a lot of churches you can. But I think all of us can remember when we first came to God. And, and, and I have instructed couples that have had marital problems. Can you remember how sweet he or she was when you first started dating? You know, love is blind. You do some very strange things when you're in love. I mean, some very strange things. Just some strange things. Uh, just want to spend so much time with each other. Telephone. Just, you know. I've even had parents to say, they'd request that I call them. I'd call them, and I'd call them, call them, and the phone was busy. And finally I'd get a hold of them, and I'd say, I, I'm sorry, I just, I, I've been trying here for hours, and I just got through. And they would say, well, you know how it is with Becky, you know. She's in, she's in love, you know. I just happen to look out and see Becky, you know. They just got married, you know. <laughs> but but that's that's a common thing. 
It always seems strange to me that, that, that after you get married, then they don't talk so much anymore. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, not trying to, I'm not identifying a problem in this marriage, okay? But uh, to talk. There are times in which I don't particularly like to talk. Now, I like to talk, but there are times when my wife just, oh. When I came back from St. Louis the other night, she just, yeah, 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 yeah. Now, I finally had to say, hon. I said, please. <laughs> I really did. I said, could you wait till tomorrow to tell me all this? <laughs> Man, just talk, 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 talk. Communication is the name of the game in a relationship. And communication is not altogether talking. But it is very important to just, just to talk. Just talk about anything and everything. Just talk. Just talk. we got a lot of people at this church that like to talk. We've got people complaining about long services, and we can dismiss you earlier, and, and you will sit here until I finally say, we're locking the building and the lights are going. Go out in the parking lot and talk. Just talk, 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 talk. Now, <clears throat> I remember when I first came to God, I remember how excited I was. When, when it was time for church, I'm serious with you. I, I got I got ready hours before church day. Now later on, I found out if you go to the church and you just sit there waiting for somebody, then not everybody's that excited about going to church. But uh, I remember I just I could not wait until church time, and I think that this is. This is so very, very important. If you uh, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Psalms, in Psalm 84, verse 1, How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts! My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. And basically, put it in Brother Grant's vernacular, what he's saying is there is something sweet and precious about the house of God. He said, and my soul longeth. In other words, there's something inside that says, I want to go to church. Just like to be at church. And when people grow cold in God, what do you think they start doing first? Missing services. In other words, there's not a desire. And usually they say, well, you know, the Lord is not found in tabernacles made with the hands of men. Well, I understand, and I understand that you're taking that from Scripture, but what the Bible is saying is that there's nothing sacred about the building. But there's something sacred about what we do here at this building. And when you get together with God's people, you let anyone get a fresh touch of God, and they start emphasizing getting together with the body of Christ. They will do it. 
It just, it just happens. And I remember after I was saved, and I remember how sick I was before I was saved, I went, I don't know how long it was, but a year or two before I ever missed a service. And I, at that time, our Sunday school gave these little perfect attendance pins, and I got two or three of those in a year. You had to go a year, perfect attendance. And I had those. Now, I didn't wear those to church. A lot of people did. Of course, a man, you know, wearing a pin, you know. <laughs> Just kind of looks... Well, I don't want to say sissy. Somebody here may have a pin on, you know. And somebody may walk up later and say, Brother Grant said you were a sissy. No, I didn't say that. <clears throat> I said I just didn't feel right wearing it. But, but, but I remember, I remember reading that one time... In the Pentecostal Herald, they showed an elderly, elderly gentleman who was 84 years of old, 84 years old, that was from the DeRitter Church that Sister Sue's from, and he went 15 years without missing a service. I don't know who he was, but I saw his picture in the, paper, in the Herald. Now, that is a long time. But he just got in the habit of doing this. And, and you know, when they started to find Jesus one time, they thought, oh, what is today? Today is the Sabbath. We know where we will find Him. He will be in the synagogue. Because that is His custom. And when the excitement kind of leaves the marriage, and there's kind of dullness that sets in, you know what you need? You need two or three days off. You need a honeymoon someplace. You can just get away and reacquaint yourself with each other. I don't anybody plan on vacation right right now while I'm preaching. I saw Brother Tim there. She's already started planning a vacation here. I'm, just, I'm trying to help you out a little bit, Kim. You know, he's... Uh, <laughs> But but don't don't plan this while I'm preaching, okay? But but after I finish preaching, you can plan plan something special. But but you know, it, it is really amazing, isn't it? How that you can just settle in and everything just reaches, you know, uh, uh, everything is just normal. And 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 then you just kind of back off a little bit, and and it, it's gone. Now the Bible says God instructed Ephesus to repent. And I remember another church in the Bible, uh, the church of Thyatira. The Bible speaks of Jezebel, and the Bible says God gave her space to repent. Now, I recently preached a message on separation, but I did title the message that God will not always strive with man. It simply means God will not always deal with man. It seems like that every problem that you have in life that, that there's an allotted time which God will deal with you. If you do nothing about that, if you ignore that, you know what He does? It's not that He ignores your problem, but He stops assisting you in correcting that problem. Now, the Scripture tells us in 1 Peter 3, 1 Peter 3, well, uh, let me go to Second Peter three nine. First Peter three twenty uh, is, is uh, an, 
is an approximate scripture speaking of the same thing. This is talking about the days of Noah. But in 1 Peter 3, 9, 2 Peter 3, 9, pardon me. All right, we get it right. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish. Now, God's going to deal with you. But what, what happens when you stop uh, listening? What happens when you just ignore God for, for an extended period of time? You probably won't hear the voice of God. Now, the Bible uses the word long-suffering, and in this case, long-suffering normally means patience. But the word suffering, you know, tells me something, that, that, that there, was, there was an emotion involved in this. God knew He had to do something and did not want to do it. Now, I, I, I learned two or three lessons just in the airport the other day. Uh, I'll tell this story and see what you get out of it. I was ready to get on the plane to, from St. Louis to, to Minneapolis. This was last Wednesday. And all of a sudden, the, the, the airline attendant, a lady, was pushing on a, a young, looked like a teenager. Not a young teenager, but an older teenager. And, and she was pushing on him out the door, and she said, Now, you, you've got to stay right over here against this wall until your father gets here. And I don't want you coming back on this plane. Well, i never seen anything like that. I thought, man. And it looked like the boy had been crying. Oh, what kind of trouble did he get into? Well, you know, the Bible tells you that if you judge a matter before you look into it, you're, you're very foolish. And also the Bible talks about us... Uh, the Bible talks about presumptuous sins, assuming something is a certain way. Now, if you saw that and you only saw that, what would you think? You'd say, what kind of trouble did he get into? Well, he was just standing over the wall and his eyes were reddened. And I thought maybe he'd been in a fight or something. I don't know what the deal was. But the, the airline attendant was just really stern with him. At least that's the way I was reading it. And all of a sudden then, uh, uh, they called. Uh, I was to catch a plane at the same gate. There was another plane taking off. And, and so he stood over there for a while, and the airline attendant came out and said, well, this is a final boarding call, so you're going to have to get on the plane now. So he got on, and I thought, well, what about this father business? I didn't know. So he got on. And then uh, they closed the doors and such, and the airline pushed out and was waiting out there. And all of a sudden, the lady sitting over next to me, I heard her telling her husband, I wonder where his father is. And so someone else caught this and said, what's going on anyway? So she said, well, I'll tell you what the deal is, okay? This boy has enlisted in the Army. And he was to meet his father here in St. Louis. He hadn't seen his father in a while. And his father told him that he would meet him here. So this plane had made a stop, and he, was get, he got off the plane. But uh, because he's already sworn in, you know, he's a GI. You know what that means, don't you? 
means government issue. That means you're property of the government. And he was instructed, now, don't you miss this flight? And so he was in the plane crying because his father wasn't there. When an airline stewardess asked him what was wrong, and, and she said, well, you can go out. He said, well, I'm afraid I'll miss the plane. And so she got him up and says, no, I won't let this plane leave until you see your father. So what I saw was that she was pushing him out the door, saying, you stay out here until your father comes, and don't you come back on this plane. But see, I didn't read it that way. And, and when she told that, I thought, man, that sure sheds a different light on the story. And then, then I said, now I misread the attitude of this airline attendant. Isn't it strange how God would teach you a lesson? I thought, now, you know, this just goes to show you that you can't judge a matter until you know the both sides of the story. And then the lady that was telling the story, she said, and can you believe that his father never came? So all of a sudden, a man came running up, and he had missed that plane. And so they assumed it was his father. And he was frantic, and he was over there, and everybody was kind of down on this guy's case. And <clears throat> he was inquiring, and, and they were they was telling him, no, you, the plane is... We have already closed the door. The plane is... I know the plane's just out there, but you, we're not going to pull that plane back in. So everybody's feeling bad at this guy, whom we assume was his father. But he wasn't. It was just a guy who missed the plane. <laughs> so all of a sudden we decided we shouldn't hate this guy for something he's not involved in. <laughs> So the plane inched on a few feet further, and all of a sudden, down the hallway, the corridor, came a guy. And he, he had a suit on, a tie on. He ran up there, and he was the father. And everybody was feeling bad. So he went up to the, to the desk up there and was talking to him, and we didn't know what he said. And this one lady, was, and she was down on his case. You know, there's always somebody around that just has the inside corner on all information. So she was telling us all how terrible it was. And so the, the, the man came over there, and he bowed his head, and I could see that it looked like he was going to cry. And this is what he said. He said, I, I'm sorry, son. I couldn't help it. It was on the freeway, and there was a big pileup. He was in the midst of it. He couldn't leave. And so he was caught there for better than an hour. And there's his son out on the plane that he hadn't seen for a while, and he's going off to the service, to boot camp probably. And here's Dad inside crying, probably the son's crying. It was so meaningful to him and also to his son. But, you know, <clears throat> when I got the full picture I, I thought, you know, if this, this boy stood beside the wall over there and he's crying, I thought, you know, this, this is really a typical example of the long-suffering of an individual. He wanted to see his dad. He wanted his dad to make an appearance. 
you know, I, I thought he was in some kind of trouble, but that was not the case. And, and whenever I thought of this later on and had learned my lesson afresh uh, about judging people and such, then and I thought, now, this is pretty much the case, you know, with, with God. When, when, when God waits on us, it's more than just a casual glance. It's more than just a staring down the hallway. There, there's, a, there's urgency involved, you know. And, and when God deals with you and when God is talking to your heart, See, you don't know what tomorrow holds, but God does. And for you to just push yourself off someplace and say, well, I'll come around the corner whenever I get ready to, because you don't know tomorrow, see. You have no idea what tomorrow holds. You just don't know. And we've learned this lesson because of of this accident with Sister Sister Madeline, did you know you can just be having a great time? And you can be at death's door within an hour or so. You don't know. And so, when God is dealing with you, He is just not... In other words, you need to take God seriously. Because God knows tomorrow. And He knows next week. He knows how long you will live. He knows the trouble you will be involved in. He knows it all. He is the Master of life. And when God is dealing with you, you need to take a very serious look at this. But how many times have you seen people, you know, you, you need to give your heart to God. And I've had people say, well... I'm not quite ready yet. <laughs> now, this is kind of reversal of this situation, but you know, the plane might take off one of these days. And you may come running up and it may be too late. And in fact, we have a story in the Bible found in Matthew 25, verse 1 through 13, deals with the parable of the wise and the foolish virgins. And you know what? They just messed around and didn't take this thing so serious. And guess what happened? The Lord came, and they were locked out. They were locked out. Now, let me give you some final instructions before we close this message. If you will take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 42, verse 2 and 3. All right? <clears throat> I'm sorry, verse uh, 1 and 2. Psalm 42, verse 1 and 2. All right? As the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O Lord. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before Him? Now, this is a psalm that, that is using a, an example of, of a deer, a heart, a deer that has been in a thirsty or uh, been in a dry, barren place, no water. And uh, all of a sudden, the, the, the times get crucial, where water is, is necessary. Uh, Sister Grant and I happen to have a few horses and cows, and if, if a horse is eating hay, 
And if the horse if the horse eats hay for 24 hours without water, that horse will die. Can survive longer than that. Why? Because there's not enough fluids in his body to digest this bulk of hay. And there have been people that would let the troughs go dry, not knowing this and not thinking that it's necessary to keep water in there. Now, green grass is another thing, see, because green grass has a lot of moisture in it. Well, what's going to happen to this, this animal? After a while, it's crucial. And you know what happens to man? And this is what the Bible says. That, that you need God. And, and your soul begins to pant. Now let me, give you, let me give you just a few symptoms of the panting of the soul. Have you ever reached the place in which you were just restless? You know, just dissatisfied, discontent? Now, a lot of people, when they go after materialistic things, this is the way they get. You know, the, the Bible talks about the eyes not full of seeing, neither is the ear filled with hearing. The Bible also talks about that, that the, the eye full of silver is not satisfying. That simply means you can go get riches. And the more riches you get, the, the more dissatisfied you become. Now, it, it's not a matter of dissatisfaction with riches as much as that you are denying yourself. See, there's more to you than flesh. And you are denying. In other words, you're cutting off the supply line to the soul. And discontent people are people who have cut the supply line off to the soul to the point that their soul is panting. It's searching. It's looking. It needs satisfaction. Now, you can take it to all kinds of places, but until it finds the water hole of the Spirit, you'll continue to search. There's no satisfaction. I don't know if you've ever seen a frightened animal before. I remember deer hunting one year, and a, a little small deer. I don't know what scared it or what. Of course, there's a lot of hunters in the woods, but I heard this. <laughs> and I, I just turned and looked around, and, and 20 yards behind me was a real small deer. And I have never in my life seen a deer pant like that. I remember one of the real hot days. We had our cows out in the pasture, and there's not one tree out there. And Sister Grand, she was she's so you know she's so observant of things like this. She came. She said, "I'm gonna go down and open the gate and let the cows out where the shade trees are." And when she opened the gate, I'm here to tell you the cows were lined up behind her. Where do you think they went? Not to the shade tree. But you see, we have a water brook running through. It's about four feet deep, and every cow went and stood in the water to cool itself off and drink. But oh my. Of course, I know the Scripture. If my soul would continue to pant after God, give me something in the Spirit. Give me something that's satisfying. Something that will fulfill this longing of mine. Praise the Lord. Psalm 63, verse 1. O God, Thou art my God. Early will I seek Thee. My soul thirsteth for Thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. I see thy power and thy glory so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. And the Bible 
is just simply saying that, you know, you, you come into the sanctuary. You come in the house of God. You see the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see the power of God fall. Now, I know you can have some good times in the Spirit alone. But I'll tell you what. There, there's something about coming together. Being in God's house, feeling God's power, feeling God's Spirit, worshiping with brothers and sisters of like precious faith, giving your heart and your soul to the Lord. If you will do this on a weekly basis, if you will do this every time the church doors are open, you will continue to fall in love with God over and 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 over. There's the variety. Is, is the spice of life, so they say. And, and, and every service is a different service because the service is directed by the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of Almighty God comes down. The Spirit of Almighty God ministers in a very, very special way. Praise God. So the Lord told Ephesus, now you go back and do your first works. Words, act like you just found me. Like, like you just fell in love with me. You know how excited you were the first time that, that you received the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues. You remember how excited you were the first time that you felt the Spirit of the Lord? Be that excited right now. And keep it that way. Praise the name of the Lord. I'd like you to stand with me. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go unto the house of the Lord. Praise God. Oh, Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Aren't you glad you're in God's house this morning? Feeling God's Holy Spirit? Oh, praise God. Let's lift our hands together. All over the place, let's start worshiping God. I love you, Jesus. I worship you, God. I praise you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Oh, praise God. Glory, 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 glory. That's it. Reach out to the Lord all over the building. Let's reach out to God. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. I love you, God. I worship you, God. I praise you, God. Oh, thank you, Lord. God, you are so very good. God, you are so very good. Our praise singers will sing here in just a moment. We want to give you an opportunity to come and seek the Lord. If you do not have a real vibrant love relationship with God, this is a good day to start it. We open up our altar and give you an invitation to come. You can come and either stand or kneel right here beside the pulpit or in front of the pulpit. God will come down and touch you afresh. We have Christian workers throughout the building who would be glad to come with you and pray with you. As our praise singers come or sing, why don't you come and give your heart to the Lord? Only Jesus Come on right now. Come on. Right now, right where you are. Just step right out.